The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The speaker today was supposed to be Lee Lip, who's um, also one of the teachers in the online course. And unfortunately, she uh, wrote that she was ill and with the flu. And so Gil asked me to give the talk today. So he sent me an email yesterday. So, um, you know, this time of year, you know, many people begin the year with resolutions, you know, for their new year. I'm curious, how many people made resolutions? So, a number of you. Okay. Well, you know, we start out, you know, uh, excited and determined by them. But according to most surveys they've done, they found that um, only about 10% of people ever keep their resolutions. And in fact, only about 50% keep them through the end of January. Uh, um, So one of the causes of this is the subject of the talk I'm going to give today, uh, which is on boredom. And boredom is such a um, prevalent condition that there's even um, a a medical term for when boredom becomes obsessive. uh, And that's called thasophobia. So not that you need to know that, but... uh, (laughs) Um, So we often get excited by the idea of a resolutions. You know, we think, okay, I'm going to run a marathon this year. It's going to be so great. I'm going to finally do this, you know. Uh, And the excitement, you know, might get us going. But on a day in and day out, the actual practice of jogging every day, you know, miles every day, you know, there's a tedium to it. And no long, that excitement no longer carries us through. And often we, you know, we call that boredom. You know, boy, this is boring. Okay, so you put on your iPod and, you know, listen to some music or maybe even better Dharma talk as you jog. <laughs> and, and so you kind of keep yourself going that way. Uh, but this is something that happens with almost everything we do in our lives that's done on a regular basis. Um, Boredom is a universal experience. Everybody, anybody here never had boredom? Um, Especially if you meditate. (laughs) Um, So uh, boredom can be defined as an unpleasant emotion, an afflictive emotion, which happens when there's a lack of activity, either mental or physical, or we're just uninterested in our activities or our surroundings. Um, it can trigger something, um, it triggers the desire to do something about it. You want to get rid of that unpleasant emotion. Uh, So it might create a a desire for exciting stimulation, or it might create a a tendency towards lethargy. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm just going to go, you know, be a lump somewhere. Um, You know, babies are attracted to anything new, right? They want something new. When there's nothing new, they try to do something new with the old thing they have, right? They stick it in their mouth, stick it in their ear, you know, poke it in part of your body, you know, something, something creative. Um, boredom is useful. I mean, it ha- uh, in terms of survival, it's boredom that makes people really get interested in their environment. There's nothing to do, so they go out and explore. Being interested in our environment helped us survive. That's how we learn, you know, even though it's a beautiful spring day, instead of just laying there, maybe you, you figure out uh, where's a nice place for winter to, um, 
uh, to stay warm for winter or where there might be some hidden food source that you might not need on a nice spring day. Uh, so boredom is something that keeps you wanting to learn something new all the time. It's kind of built into us. Uh, we look for stimulation for a way to uh, expand uh, our ability to interact with the world around us. Um, you know, we're bored, so we go talk to someone. It creates communities. Communities help people survive. Um, they just found that um, uh, having a community uh, being part of a community in your life, having a social circle, increases your chances of surviving illness by 50%. That was in the news, I think, today. Um, more than quitting smoking. So having friends, having family, having people in our lives, having sangha. Um, so sometimes we reach out to each other because we're bored. And so, you know, so there's a certain essential uh, uh, wisdom in boredom. But having said that, <laughs> um, boredom causes us a lot of suffering also. And um, boredom can also be in a society like our current culture where we're so constantly not just stimulated learning new things, but we're overstimulated. We're continuously having input from every source. We don't have a moment of quiet often between the computer, the phone calls, the emails, the, um, you know, the little constant beeps and, uh, and things trying to get our attention. Uh, you know, we're actually, as a culture, we're becoming less and less in touch with what it is to just be and to just be quiet. Um, so we can break boredom up into three kinds of boredom. And I like to think of it as boredom based on greed, boredom based on hatred, and boredom based on delusion. Um, so, for instance, boredom based on, on desire or greed is the kind of boredom you feel when you're waiting in line. You want to you be somewhere else. You're on your way to make dinner. You want to have dinner, and now you have to wait. You know? So it's like it keeps you from getting what you want, which is you want to be home for dinner. So you consider that waiting a waste of time. And so you're bored waiting. Um, or maybe in gridlock, you're trying to get to, you know, getting to the party, and there you are stuck in gridlock. So you're not getting what you want. Uh, so that's one type of boredom. Another type of boredom is the boredom based on aversion, on dislike, when you don't like what you're doing. Uh, some people dislike housework. Some, you know, dislike um, maybe washing the car or doing the yard or different things. That we, you know, most people have something they d dislike. And so there's a boredom when, when there's a tedium of doing the same thing, unstimulating, of something we judge as not really being worthwhile. And... Um, an example of, of how much of that it has to do with our, our um, idea or the story we tell about our activity. Uh, for instance, if somebody said to you, uh, if you do this, these dishes, uh, I'll give you $10,000. Okay, how interested would you be doing in doing those dishes, right? Um, my, I remember my father-in-law, you know, he was turning seven years old, you know, and, and um, what do you give, you know, the man who's not interested in anything? Uh, <laughs> but, but money, you know, no. Um, so, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, 
uh, but that's what excited him. He loved the lottery. That was what got him excited. And uh, so we bought him 70 scratchers, you know. And, you know, if somebody gave me t- 70 pieces of paper that I had to scratch out tediously, I mean, that would be such a tedious job, you know. And, you know, most of us would be bored before we, you know, be totally spaced out before we got in. in you know, halfway through. Well, he was so intent on every single one. It was exciting. Each one like the first one. I might win this time. I might win this time. So it's the activities that we do have nothing to do with, with whether we're bored or not. It's, it's the idea. And it's, it's what we think about what we're doing. Uh, another example of that was um, I had a friend of mine, you know, she had a uh, four-year-old son, and, you know, she used to vacuum, and he used to take, um, like, a stick, I think, you know, and walk behind her as if he was vacuuming, too. And he was just delighted, just loved doing it. And she would just be going, oh, God, I hate vacuuming. This is such a, I wish I didn't have to vacuum. And, you know, and it's just really interesting, you know, how quickly, you know, he lost interest in the activity, too. You know, now she'd said to him, oh, you can't vacuum till you're older, you know, <laughs> that may have had a different effect. Um, so the third type of boredom is boredom based on delusion. And, um, and I don't know if, you know, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, and this is when we feel too restless to engage in anything. And, um, you know, for instance, uh, on the Internet, it's a perfect example where we're continuously changing sides, going from one place to another. It's like you start getting into something, and then you're into something else and just jumping around. It's like nothing quite engages you. You just keep going from one thing to another, or the remote control on the TV people use that. Um, we don't like what we're feeling, and we want it to go away. And generally, when we feel that way, we respond in one of, one of two ways. We either do something useful or we do something not useful. And, and such as, you know, changing channels or uh, constantly, you know, going from one thing to another on the Internet is an example of the unuseful. Another unuseful thing people do is they start arguments, they start fights. Um, you watch young kids sometimes, you know, in school, and... If they're bored, they misbehave because that's more exciting. You know, even if they get in trouble, it's still more exciting than sitting there. And so we're often the same way. Sometimes in relationships, uh, you know, if you look really carefully, what sometimes triggers an argument is the fact that just not much is happening and people want some more juice. And getting into an argument creates some juice. It's more interesting. And... um, in meditation, you know, when we get bored, you know, we start fantasizing and, or obsessing on stuff. That's sure much, much more interesting than being bored. You know, obsessing on a problem and some psychological issue. Um, one of the practices is a Japanese um, therapy. It's called Morita therapy. I don't know how many of you have heard of that. But uh, one of the things they do is they put you in a room for one week and you do nothing. You don't talk to anyone, nothing to read. No meditation techniques, by the way. Um, and at the end of the week, uh, you can't wait to do something. Cleaning the toilet is really fun. Um, anything is really fun. You know? And I mean, I've experienced that on retreat, you know, where, oh, good, I get to do my yogi job. Great, I get to chop some vegetables. You know? and, and you know, so when you're feeling, um, you know, when you really come to, 
you know, have to face that boredom, you know, you can really begin to see that desire to do something rise. Um, the other thing we do when we get bored, you know, besides doing something skillful and unskillful, is we go to sleep. Some people, they get bored, that's just, they just tune out, lethargy. So, as I said, in today's world, um, the mind is in the habit often of being overstimulated. So, you know, many of us don't go for walks without having, or Bluetooth attached and having conversations, um, you know, or at least a cell phone interrupting or walks. Um, you know, there's no such thing as a pleasant Sunday drive of the 50s and 60s where you just kind of go for a ride. It's a time to talk on the phone and be productive, listen to the radio, do something else. Um, exercise requires music, requires uh, something. Uh, there's very little in, in our culture that we do um, you know, without doing something else. Uh, There's an article recently uh, written um, that was based on Woodside High School around here. And there was a young girl who, in the course of an afternoon, she texted 400 times. Uh, so it's become a quite a different, um, it's a new world that we live in this way. And what happens is that when we're in the habit of being so constantly stimulated, for many of us, meditation is the first time that we're actually left alone with nothing to do. And, um, and if we are not used to that, that, that nothing to do can feel really challenging. <laughs> Uh, it's a lack of knowing who we are, a lack of having an inner life. And so we sit and we, have, we come you know, face-to-face with our boredom. Anyone who's ever meditated has to deal with this. Um, you know, there's a tendency to think that we're bored in meditation because nothing much is happening. How many of you have had that thought? Oh, there's nothing happening, I'm bored. You know, but the truth of it is, is that there's definitely something happening, and it's unpleasant. And that's what we miss. We miss the fact that that feeling, oh, there's nothing happening, you know, it's not neutral. It's something we don't like. It doesn't feel good. And, and that's what drives us to want to do something with it. And in meditation, the last thing we tend to want to do is turn around and look at the boredom. You know, our tendency is, okay, let me get more concentrated on my breath. Maybe something good will happen. Maybe I'll feel better. You know, but, that, but there's an actual fear of that feeling of boredom. So one of the things that I like to do with working with boredom is to use the question, what is it that I don't want to feel right now? Boredom is a complex emotion. It's made up of, of uh, a number of things. And the cure for boredom is attention or interest or mindfulness. Um, for instance, you know, you might glance at this glass of water, you know, and just not think twice of it. You know, it's not an object that got your interest. But if I asked you, really look at this glass. This glass holds the key to your enlightenment. 
Okay, so now really look at it. You know, how much water is in it? You know, how, how tall is it? Really give it your full attention. And suddenly the same glass that was completely irrelevant to you becomes interesting. And this is what, how we can work with boredom in meditation, is to make our boredom interesting. And how do we make it interesting? How do you explore those feelings of boredom? How does, what's, how do, what's unpleasant in that boredom? Is there a feeling, a low level of anxiety? It's one of the gifts of, of boredom in a way. You know, when the mind is really chaotic and crazy, you're not bored, right? You're just really restless and crazy. And it's really hard to pay attention. You don't know. It's moving so quickly and so chaotically. We, we don't know what's going on. But when we're bored, it's actually, the mind's kind of quiet. So when the mind's kind of quiet and we're bored, the anxiety actually can be seen much more clearly because things are slower. We can give it a little bit more attention. And a little bit of that anxiety is this very, you know, philosophers have written books on boredom, you know, hundreds and hundreds of boring pages of boredom. <laughs> um, but some of it's interesting, right? Um, and really it's that, that there's this very deep existential angst of, you know, we spend so much of our life overcoming obstacles. You know, okay, I'm going to you know, work really hard so I can ret- finally retire, you know. Or I'm, oh, I'm going to get through this week and Friday, I can't wait till Friday. You know, so you overcome your obstacles and then you have rest. But then if you really have rest and there's nothing to do, there's boredom. And what does that mean about ourselves? That when there's nothing to do, nothing to overcome, that we feel this, this feeling, this anxiety of not enough. And this is right what the heart of our meditation practice takes us. It takes us to really go into that through boredom, into being, into going past whatever it is we don't want to feel, whatever we don't want to experience. It's only through going through that that we can really be at ease with who we are, with just being enough, just by being, without having to do. Yeah, Motorola came up with a term called um, micro-boredom, they, they refer that to um, the fact that the, the time when you're standing in line for a latte without your Blackberry. Um, but, um, so, you know, they said that 31% of Americans wonder if heaven will be boring. <laughs> uh, because everything's supposed to be good. It's all taken care of, right? You know, so what's there to think about? What's there to do? So being in heaven, you know, Where's, where, where's the challenge there? Um, but you can see that how much that can give rise to problems, to, um, uh, to unskillful behavior. You know, we don't want to be in heaven, right? If it's going to be boring, gosh. Um, so just to... Um, uh, you know, attention is the remedy for boredom, right? You get interested in it. Knowing boredom is transforming boredom. I like the word you bore deep into the moment. 
one of the things we're doing is we're training our minds to pay attention. It's not something that comes natural. It's something that we, I mean, it does come natural to pay attention for a short period, right? We, we do it all the time. But to have a steady attention, that's what our practice does, our mindfulness practice, day in and day out. We develop that capacity to be with, with what's in front of us. We develop our capacity to be with what we don't like. One of the things I like to say about mindfulness practice, it increases our capacity both for pain and for pleasure. We're able to be with pain when it's there with a lot more ease, and we're able to be with pleasure when it's there with a lot more ease. People sometimes can't handle too much pleasure, too much excitement, um, just like they can't handle too much pain and discomfort. Mindfulness brings an open, spacious mind to either Oh, yes, this is pleasure, this is pain. There can be a peace, a a, a way to hold whatever our experience brings us. Uh, Sometimes boredom comes from unresolved issues. So it's not just about a lack, a low stimulation and and, um, these little uncomfortable feelings, but some very deep unresolved issues. Uh, Sometimes boredom comes from our addictions. For instance, if you're... um, um, you know, addicted to the internet, which it's getting more and more common. Um, you know, I read last year that six boys died from internet addiction. And one in particular that they uh, profiled, basically he just went in his room playing games, and the parents never noticed that he never came out to eat, he never came out to do anything else, and he died. But that's addiction. You know, and so our addictions uh, can be so strong that when we sit in meditation, they create this this pull towards those addictions, uh, whether they be uh, you know sex addictions, gambling, you know, um, you know whatever addictions they might be, drugs. Um, another thing that that can really uh, trigger a lot of boredom also is. Um, like, it's a learning issue. You know, when I was in college, you know, one of the things that was really transforming to me in college uh, was someone taught me not to go past a misunderstood word. You know, they found that if you're reading a paragraph and there's a, a, a word you don't know, pretty soon you lose interest. And, you know, I found that to really be true for myself. I found if I'd be reading and I'd, you know, sometimes you can make do, you know. But, but often you actually lose the thread of what's going on. And so sometimes what happens in meditation practice is that we have little questions. There's, there's questions about the practice that we have that we don't address. And so we get into a little conflict when those things arise in practice and we get bored because we can't learn. Uh, you know, there's something we don't know. So it's really important if in meditation uh, there's things you don't understand or, or you wonder about, that you talk to someone about it, to clarify it, you know, so that you feel confident in what you're doing. Uh, there's nothing more easily for kids to get distracted from is if they don't understand. Uh, the other side of it is, oh, yeah, I know this so well you get complacent, Right. <laughs> And, um, like, for instance, you know, one of the things that I found for myself, um, I had a lot of physical pain in, in, physical pr- in, in meditation practice. And so I was always kind of having to negotiate the pain, and it kept me very interested. And, and then at some point, I, I learned how to deal with my physical pain. And it was no longer 
an issue. And for the first time in years of practice, I found that I was getting sleepy, <laughs> and I was getting bored, and it's like a, it was a whole new area for me to have to deal with. At first, I was just complacent. Oh, it was so great! No more pain to to have to deal with, you know. And and you know, and it, it, I felt really happy at first, but then I saw that I wasn't bringing the aliveness and attention to it. So we can become complacent, you know. When we struggle with stuff, and and suddenly we st- we don't have to struggle. Then there's a new layer of practice to bring to. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about boredom is that, and, and see if any of you identify with this, uh, is that we often are only interested in things in our life uh, that increase our sense of self. Uh, for instance, if you're having a conversation and they're talking about themselves incessantly, um, you know, do you get bored? You know, if it's not about you, it's about them and them and them and them. You know, do, you know, do we lose interest? Um, even if somebody's being critical, you know, it's not desirable, but boy, it's interesting, right? Somebody's criticizing you, you know, your mind's very attentive. It wants to know what they think. Um, and so re- the reinforcement of ourself can be positive or negative. It doesn't really matter. Uh, so often... What we get, what we're interested in, is a life that is always referencing ourselves. How does that relate to me? Now, is there a way to live our lives without always self-referencing, where that's just not the issue? The issue, you know, you are not the issue, and that shifting away from our own needs and I need this, I want that, I want to feel this, I want to feel that, to what's here is quite a transforming uh, uh, direction away from boredom. Um, Because things don't have to be any particular way. When you don't need things, when you don't want things to be a certain way, they don't have to be any way. You can just be interested in whatever there is. Whether it's nothing, whether it's people, whether it's what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. So to kind of finish this, uh, boredom can be expressed as a lack of capacity to enjoy being. Being without having to be any particular way. With practice, we learn to deeply value being. It's through meeting boredom mindfully that we can get free, not by avoiding it or trying to get rid of it. And I really like the Gill's quote. Um, he said, boredom is a stepping stone to realizing that life is enough as it is. So boredom is a stepping stone to realizing that life is enough as it is. It's through actually facing those quiet moments of boredom, those unsatisfying moments of boredom, and really experiencing them, looking at them with what I like to call um, affectionate curiosity. Affectionate curiosity into those moments, those unsettled feelings of boredom. 
And I'd like to end with one of my favorite poems by Leonard Cohen. It's a short one. It's called Roshi. Um, it's about his te- in honor of his teacher. I never really understood what he said. But every now and then, I find myself barking with the dog or bending with the irises or helping out in other little ways. So so thank you. And we have... um, we have a few minutes if anybody uh, has any questions or would like to make any comments, uh, you know, about your interesting boredom <laughs> <laughs> or anything else about practice. Anne. Oh, thassophobia. Thassophobia, the, the technical um, term for fear of boredom, T-H-A-S-S-O, phobia. Len? Oh, okay, you're just holding a mic. Okay. Yeah, it went there already. It is just talking to like an ice cream cone. And okay. Is that on, working? It's working, but do it this way, and it works better. Oh, okay. Yeah, got better? it. I was just thinking there are two, two quotes that I like. One's by Andy Warhol, and he said, I like boring things. And the other is by a, an architect who said, not innovating willfulness, but reverence for the archetype. So I think both those things are kind of pro-boring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, not innovating willfulness, but reverence for the archetype. Great, thank you. Um, uh, up on the stage, let's see, there's two. Betsy. Thank you for an unexpected and interesting talk on boredom, and I particularly um, respond to your phrase, affectionate curiosity. When you bring affectionate curiosity to your own boredom, Inez, could you do a little mindfulness out loud? Uh, You referenced early on uh, a low level of agitation, anxiety. And I wanted to explore a little bit, because low level agitation, anxiety seems to infuse many of our aversive states. Um, But boredom is a little flatter, a territory, so I'm I'm intrigued to explore more deeply. If you'd be willing to share your own personal exploration with us, um, the way that I, by the way, affection curiosity is actually a, a phrase I got from Ajahn Sumedho. So I just I want to say that I just who's one of my thank you for being a vehicle, <laughs> um, and I sort of um, uh, relate to my to that feeling. Um, as if I was relating to a, a suffering child. And that's how the affection comes into it. 
Um, you know, so I see myself because it's really the child inside me, you know, the two-year-old that says, you know, I'm or four-year-old says, I'm bored. You know, I'm bored. You know, they're 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 suffering. It's you know, it's real suffering there when when they're bored, and um, so there's that affection to seeing that inside myself. You know, it's like oh, this is like this child, this unhappy child. You know, so that brings that to me. And what can I do to help? You know, that's where the curiosity is. What's going on here? What what can I do to help? You know, how can I, you know, find out really what, what's the problem here? You know, so, so that's kind of how, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't quite do it out loud because my, you know, I don't, my mind doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like this image that comes at once for me. So as you dive into the um, boring state itself mm-hmm. and you turn around, as you say, what we yeah. most don't want to do is to actually dive into the boredom and explore it. Um, Apart from the word, you know, low level of anxiety, which mm-hmm. right away made sense to me, are, do other words? Um... Mm. I, I see what you're getting. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so what happens is that um, the the experience of boredom has a physical aspect. Okay, so I'll I'll see how my body is. You know, how does that low level anxiety feel in my body? Then there's a flavor in the mind of boredom. Of, or of anxiety, of a low-level anxiety. And what I mean by that is, like, how do you recognize you're afraid? You know, how do you recognize you're angry? That's like a flavor in the mind, right? You know, you might, you know, oh, yeah, that's anger. You know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed, you know. It has a very specific flavor. It's hard to grab at, you know. Uh, but if you kind of look at the, you think of it... Um, as an atmosphere, the atmosphere in my mind is one of anxiety. It just feels like kind of oppressive, tight. Um, you know, that's, that might be how I might explain it. You know, and then I'll, I might look at um, what's my attitude towards this, board, to the, towards this experience, you know? Am I keeping my affection curiosity or am I trying to push it away? Okay, if I get really interested, it's going to go away, you know? Um, so how am I treating it? Am I really staying open? You know, and then, you know, depending what's going on, I might look at my thinking about it. Like, I shouldn't be bored. I should be beyond boredom or, you know, et cetera. I've been practicing 30 years and I'm still getting bored, you know. Oh, no, you know. You know so they, so my, those thoughts might be running around there. So I make sure that I include them in the picture. Thank um, you. Yeah. You're welcome. And back there, there's... Hi. Um, my question is, <clears throat> I'm always a little confused, I think, and, and maybe this is so obvious to everybody, so I apologize if it's really uh, silly, but kind of like aversion and uh, uh, desire, uh, when you have boredom that's bordering on one, you use the example of waiting in line because you want to be someplace else, so that was... Uh, uh, desire for something else, but you have an aversion to being there. So it seems to me the two are always the flip side of the other. And and so if I have aversion to something that's going on in my body, it's because I desire pleasantness happening in my body. Yeah. But So that's the part that I often wonder about. Am I making too fine a distinction? And the second thing is when you talk about uh, boredom that's, um, what was the third one again? Um, delusion. Delusion. And you used the example of uh, how 
you could see it manifest in people bickering and fighting, falling into fighting quickly. Could you speak a bit more about that? Because I have trouble understanding boredom as delusion. Mm. Okay, great. Thank you. Those are two really good questions. Uh, the first one, whether it's, it's um, desire or aversion, uh, it can be both. But there's a primary way that in the moment you're dealing with it. You know, you might be focused more on, I can't wait to get home. If that's what's going on in you, in the mm. moment, that's how you can pay attention to it. In essence, you want it because you might want it because you don't like the way you're feeling. Right? So that might be aversion. So it's, we just go with what's useful. In the moment, which is useful? Which ones can you actually connect with in the moment? So it's just more of a cue for you to become a little more aware. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I've dealt with the desire, and then that brings me right. Like, let's say, I, you know, um, you know, I want to eat some sugar, right? You know, I've got the desire for that, you know. And so, obviously, that's, what I, that's what's happening in the moment. I really want to go to the fridge and get that whatever, you know. And, um, but sometimes if I stay with the desire and just let it ride itself out, I might feel some underneath aversion I was having to, um, um, you know, the reading I was, had to do. You know, so, uh, so you know, it kind of goes back and forth, you know. Um, and, you know, one of the phrases I, I like to use is, uh, you know, it, it, not just two sides of the same coin, but three sides of the same coin. And the third side, the rim, is delusion. <laughs> so, which ties into your next question. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, when you're... Um, wanting to get, you know, you're in line, you really know you want that line to go through quickly. It's very clear to you what you want. Um, when you're vacuuming and you have the whole, you know, house to vacuum, you really know what it is you don't like. Okay, a lot of the time, we don't have no idea. We just know something isn't good enough, it's not right. That's delusion, we don't know. Um, in all forms of suffering, there's some form of craving. We want something to be different. We just don't know what it is we want to be different. And so that's why, you know, we don't know what's wrong, but we'll go start a fight because that's more interesting. Right? So does that kind of cover? Thank yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So we have time for one last question. And behind you. I heard you um, liken the sense of boredom to what children feel. I'm bored. So, okay, what if you are with children um, who are just starting to meditate but who still scream, I'm bored? Any idea how to approach that? Um, you make it playful. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't work with children, I, so I'm not around them very much. Uh, but you can make um, uh, boredom a game. You know, get them interested in it. You know, well, how big is your boredom? You know, how big is it? What shape does it have? Does it have a shape? You know, um, you, know you can, you can um, make it more of a play, you know. What, is that, what does that mean that you're bored? You know, what is, uh, you know, I mean, depending what, what age, you know, the child is. You know, um, uh, you know, some people just say, okay, so, so does that mean you're boring? You know, I mean, people can play with it. It depends on the kid, what kind of personality and everything. Um, but, you know, how do you make it interesting? 
you know, let them come up with a solution. So how can you, what, what could you come up with? You're a creative person. You know, there's, uh, you know, so somebody, you know, you know maybe I, we could hear from someone who runs the, the family <laughs> program. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so thank you all, and um, uh, have a very wonderful new year. And uh, may you continuously keep making new resolutions, since uh, your old ones won't last. <laughs> um, the resolution to be present and to keep coming back to the present. So thank you. <laughs>